This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. We've just heard about dramatic changes to our labor laws in Bob's News. In addition to phasing in a $15 an hour minimum wage and increasing vacation time, the government will ensure that part-time and contract employees get paid the same wages as full-timers. There are also provisions for paid sick leave and emergency leave. So, is this just a transparent ploy to get votes, the timing certainly looks like it's very tied to the next election, or is it the right thing to do? And is it enough? And what will the effect on business be? The Ontario Chamber of Commerce is complaining that there hasn't been a study of what the total economic impact of these changes will be. We will get to that point of view a bit later. And of course, we want to hear from you. What do you think about this? The numbers to call 416-360-077. 740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740, especially uh, if you're trying to make ends meet on minimum wage. Um, I'd, I'd like to hear from you about what that's like and what impact you think this might have on you. But right now, let's go to Chris Buckley, who is president of the Ontario Federation of Labour. Chris, welcome. Thanks for the opportunity to be on your show. Okay, Chris, what, what is your reaction to these changes? Well, you know what? First of all, it's the right thing to do uh, as far as the government of Ontario goes. And I think workers should be congratulated right across this province. Obviously, their voice has been heard throughout this process. Uh, and I'm looking forward to workers now receiving a $15 an hour minimum wage phased in over the next 18 months. We pushed very hard for this as a labour movement. We push for this for all workers, whether they belong to a union or not, and it's a step in the right direction, obviously. Uh, what about, uh, there are some other changes, you know, particularly yeah. that, that uh, according to the government, recognize the changing nature of work, so that if you bring somebody in on contract or if they're a part-timer, they have to uh, be paid the same as a full-timer who does the same job. Again, Libby, these are steps in the right direction. The employment landscape of Ontario has changed dramatically over the last decade. Hundreds of thousands of good-paying, full-time, steady jobs have left this province, and they have not come back. Today's employment landscape is made up of precarious, insecure uh, jobs, temporary hiring agencies, contract jobs. So the special advisors put forward 173 recommendations and recognized that things had to be changed. The employment standards and labor law have not been reviewed in over 20 years. They were severely outdated. So it's encouraging to hear the government today announce not only a $15 an hour minimum wage, but part-time workers will now get the same pay as full-time workers if they're doing the same work. You know, uh, the vacation has been extended to three years. If you three, have three weeks, not three, three years. Three, Nobody three. wants three years of vacation. Uh, uh, some days I wouldn't mind it. Three weeks of vacation if you have five years uh, employment at the same place. 
Uh, there's three hours call-in pay if your shift have been scheduled and you don't have 48 hours notice. There's 10 days emergency leave, uh, two of which will be paid. Uh, card check certification, something the labor movement's been pressing for for every sector across the province. Sorry, and what's that? Card-based certification where you, where you can join a union by signing a union card. The construction sector has had it for a number of years. Uh, now the government has introduced three extra sectors. The labor movement, we wanted it in every sector across the uh, economy of Ontario. But now it's going to include workers in temp hire agencies, building services, home care and community uh, care services. There's steps in the right direction. Okay, I just ha- I have a question about uh, this uh, equalization of pay for contract workers, and it's, it's just uh, simply this. Uh, if you look at a certain kind of job I- in a workplace, uh, people with different seniority or different qualifications doing more or less the same job get paid a different amount of money. So how does that work? Well, it's about making it fair. We launched our campaign at the OFL uh, a year ago in March when we uh, were getting involved in the Change in Workplaces Review, and, and we call our campaign Making It Fair. I, no, Make, I get it. I'm just, I'm just, so I'm just so saying, so do you, do you uh, is, is the uh, part-timer's work tied to kind of the entry level of a certain uh, classification of work? I mean, I just... The, the way the government rolled it out in their announcement today, if you and I are in a workplace and you and I are doing the same job, then we are going to get the same pay. Now, it's going to take enforcement. The government... Yeah, but how do you account for seniority with something like that? I mean, even in unionized situations, a worker with uh, with a lot of seniority gets paid more for certain things than a worker who's just entry level, even though it is theoretically the same job. And those, those are things that we will work through as the government inter- introduces legislation. And we're going to watch the legislation very closely and see how it's implemented. Uh, but you can't justify somebody that's doing the same job as their co-workers not making the same well, money. And I, I'm, I guess, I'm not hey, listen, sure about guess, that. You can justify if, if uh, we have a, a newscaster here with 20 years of experience and we have another one out of Ryerson, uh, they're doing the same job, but certainly you can justify why the person with experience uh, gets paid more money, no? No, and, and in workplaces that are unionized across the province, there are provisions in their collective agreements to address exactly that. The problem here is is the workplaces that are not unionized have been allowed to exploit workers for far too long. So again, this is a step in the right direction. Is it perfect? No. We've been asking for a number of different items, and we're going to continue to push the government to get as much as we can for every worker in the province of Ontario. There's still work to do. We're going to continue to discuss this with the government. We're going to watch the legislation very closely. But in a nutshell, today, our steps in the right direction in making this a fair province for all workers and their families. Okay, let me ask you a political uh, uh, question. Is is this going to make the union uh, movement throw support behind Kathleen Wynne in the coming election? Uh, I'm not going to answer for unions across the province. I'm the president of the Federation of Labor representing 54 unions and a million workers. That'll be left up to individual unions as they get closer to Election Day. My job is to advocate on behalf of all workers and their families across the province, and that's what, exactly what I'll continue to do. And and uh, what is your personal feeling? I mean, the, the take on it is that basically uh, the Liberals are campaigning from the left, taking a lot of NDP platforms, uh, and that's how they're campaigning. I mean, does this does this win uh, your support for Kathleen Wynne? 
Uh, I'm not going to tell you who I'm supporting come Election Day in the province of Ontario. That'll be left up to me when I go to the ballot box. But what I will tell you, wouldn't it be nice if all three political parties could put down their partisan swords for once and work together as a consorted effort to make life better for everybody in the province of Ontario? That's what I'd like to see. Okay, uh, let's take a couple of calls because uh, people are anxious to have their say about this. We've got Bob in Woodstock. Hi, Bob. Well, actually, it's, it's Paul. Oh, hi, Paul. Sorry about that. That's quite all right. I, I think... Oh, go ahead. No, you're on the air. We're listening oh. to you. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I think it's a step in the right direction. I do think they could have done a little bit more about contract working. I, I've always had an issue with that because uh, the companies are allowed to hire people and get rid of them basically whenever they feel like it. Um, as far as part-time work, I do believe if you have so many part-time hours, they should create a full-time spot. I, I do believe they've exploited the, the poorer workers for quite some time. A lot of big companies have been doing this, and I think it's about time something was done about it. Well, um, as you heard uh, Chris say, uh, he believes this is a step in the right direction. Uh, business, obviously, is going to have a different take on those things. Uh, Paul, thanks a lot for your call. We're going to go to uh, Dorothy in Toronto. Hi, Dorothy. Hello? Hi. Hi, how are you? Oh, um, I'm very glad that this has happened. It's, it's about time, really. I don't even think it's enough, but anyway, I'm not going to be greedy. I think it's good that they've done something about it. But did you hear, like, waiters and waitresses are paid 8 and $9 because that's, of their tips? That's right. They always, they, they always have a lower minimum wage. But did you hear what the government wants to do? Wants them to declare their tips? That's they they've they've had to declare that's that's been a law for a long time. They're supposed to declare their tips. It's income and it's taxable as income. But just, I don't think just, it's fair. It's not government or anyone else or employee the employer or the government. It's regular people that like this waiter or waitress know that they've worked extra hard and they work harder than they're like factory workers, what they do and the way they even have to clean the floors and the tables and the way they work waiters and waitresses to make 8 and $9, and then if good people who like them and know they did a good job out of their own pockets give tips, why should the government or anyone know about that? Well, I'm sorry. Whatever you make, I mean, lots of people work hard uh, in, in union jobs, in non-union jobs, cleaning floors. Uh, when you make a, an hourly wage or a salary, it's taxable. And uh, and uh, and so our tips should be taxable. The one thing I say is that there have been workplaces where the bosses take the tips, and that is totally wrong. That's totally wrong. But the government doesn't pay, no one pays taxes on that money. The person that's giving the money, the tips, they've already paid taxes on Well, you've money. already paid taxes on the money that you, you, uh, that you pay for somebody working an hourly wage. But they make $15 an hour not eight or nine. Well, big difference there hourly. Well, the the taxes are different. Anyway, I just I can't believe it. Sometimes I just okay, Dorothy. Yeah. That's that's not a new thing. Thanks for your call. Thank you very much, Nivy. Bye. Bye. Let's go to Neil in Waterloo. Hi, Neil. Hello. I'm calling. I, I, your friend uh, there advocates on behalf of laborers. I wonder if he ever advocates on behalf of business, because my question is. Um, 
in Waterloo Region, for example, a particular, uh, the region had three fellows out on a Saturday before Christmas working, and the union happened to come around, and two of those three signed a card that said they'd like to join a union. And the law is that 50% of your labor signs, you're automatically certified. Well, these guys were three people on a Saturday. Two of them signed over drinks. And then suddenly the whole union or the whole region of Waterloo is certified as a union. And they cannot hire anybody else except union contractors and construction people. So anybody in the open shop, which means not signatory to a union, are not even allowed to bid on work in their own community. Well, well, yeah, generally speaking, um, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not really following the story that you're telling, but uh, generally speaking, the, you know, the cities usually take uh, unionized uh, businesses. No, they don't. Up until this past December, the region of Waterloo could accept bids from any, any contractor, depending on their bid. But now, because of this this weird situation on a Saturday before Christmas where two people represented 50% of the workforce, which happens to be hundreds of people, but only two signed, but suddenly the whole region is certified and they're no longer allowed to even take uh, bids and quotes from somebody else unless they're unionized. Okay, well, I have no idea. Let's ask Chris about it. Thanks for your call, Neil. Uh, uh, Neil, I I can't see how that could happen because under today's law, you have to, in a workplace, have... 40% of the workers sign up to become members of a union before you can make application to the Labour Board to conduct a vote. I'm not certain what situation we're referring to, but I find it hard to believe that if two workers sign up, that the entire workplace is now unionized. So somebody might be giving you some confusing information. Yeah, that's that's, uh, certainly uh, what it sounds like. Uh, Let's go to uh, Jim in Hanover. Oh, hello. Hi. Hi. I was just wondering, what about students? What kind of rates? Are they going up to the minimum wage? Because around here, when my wife was working, they used to have students help out in the summertime, but the students didn't get very much money, got less than the regular workers. The way I understand the legislation, uh, and uh, again, our staff is doing a deep dive on all the details, the student wage will be eliminated and it'll be a, a, a minimum wage right across the board. Oh, and does that, is that, that okay? Now I have a question because there are students and there are students, and s- some of the students are very young high school students. Are you telling me they're going to get the same minimum wage as an adult? Again, until we see all the details and the exact legislation, I, I don't know exactly how it's played out, but there is a mechanism in place to address that. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't think it it would be such good news for, for young students starting out if they get the same as everybody else, because then why hire them? Just asking. <laughs> good question. Um, okay, uh, let's take one more. Thanks, Jim, for your call. We've got Margaret in Kitchener. Yeah, I just put the speakerphone off. Uh, this is Margaret from Kitchener. I'd like to, uh, to comment on uh, the waitresses getting tips and yep. they have to claim it. For yeah, the revenue. Yeah, that's that's not new. <laughs> well, that's it, it's like a gift. Like you give somebody a present, and they have to pay tax on it. Well, it's it's not exactly like a, a present, unless I mean, 
the way I look at it, when I go out to eat, uh, I have to factor a tip in. Unless like something terrible happens, you 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 give somebody. It's part of the cost of of all of it, and it's their 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 minimum wage is lower to take into account that that they have tips. Um, yes, but then they have to claim the tips. Well, then they have to claim the tips like the rest of their money. Oh I mean, what's... what's uh, no, if they do good service and if, if the customer likes them, then they're giving them a gift. That should not be taxable. Well, uh, I, I have to... That's okay. <laughs> We've heard you. Thanks for your call. Okay. Bye-bye. Talk to you some other time. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, we are... Uh, going to have to take a quick break. Before we go, uh, Chris Buckley, uh, President of the Ontario Federation of Labour, what would you like to leave us with? Again, I just want to thank people across the province for uh, allowing their voices to be heard. Uh, again, the government has made some positive steps today. Uh, I feel they can go further and will continue to press the government to make this the Ontario we want, which is a fair and equitable province for every worker and their families right across the province. Okay, Chris Buckley, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get the business perspective on this because, as you might imagine, businesses aren't happy about this. They say it's going to make us less competitive and that there might be less of those jobs available. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Uh, Well, we have just heard the perspective of the Ontario Federation of Labour on the new labour laws. We've heard from some of our listeners. Now it's time to hear what business thinks. Let's go to Ryan Malo, who is a policy analyst with the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. Ryan, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Okay, so uh, what do you think of these laws? Well, I think the uh, the word of the day for us so far has been blindsided. Uh, we've been taking part in the Changing Workplaces Review for the past couple of years. We've met with the reviewers on several occasions, several written submissions. We met with the Minister of Labor, Labor, the Premier's Office, the opposition critics. Uh, you know, we made sure that small business had a, a voice at the table. Uh, but throughout this entire process, minimum wage did not come up. In fact, it was exempt from the whole review. It was explicitly stated on their website, we're not looking into minimum wage. And now we come with the recommendations to the report, which still didn't include minimum wage. Uh, and now we get an announcement from the government that looks at uh, hiking the minimum wage uh, to $15 within an 18-month time frame. Uh, it's going to have a, a serious impact on uh, running a small business in this province. Okay, well, what I've heard from people um, who say the problem they have with raising the minimum wage is that the the follow-on effects for other people because uh, it, it's not just the people with minimum wage because at that point, if you have people who uh, make uh, somewhat above the minimum wage, then you're going to have to pay those people more as well. Is that the main objection? Uh, we're hearing that a lot from our membership. We're hearing that if, if you have to increase uh, someone's pay, say, from, from a 10 to a $15, that that same increase should come across everyone else's pay, which is a, a very fair sentiment, but profit margins don't increase as well. 
um, there's there's just a limited amount of, of business that and uh, cash flow that business owners have to operate. So what ends up happening is that when you make all of these pay increases, it's the business owner who ends up less taking home for their family. And people forget. I mean, business owners are painted sort of as the the monopoly guy with a monocle and a top hat, but business owners are very much the backbone of the middle class in this province. Uh, they often working longer hours. On average, they tend to take home less than $15 an hour themselves. Um, so they're, them and their families are going to take a serious hit from this policy too. Okay, so on, on the salary side, um, it's because not just, it's not just the cost of increasing people who are making minimum wage, but, but everyone else. Uh, let's look at some of the other provisions. Uh, giving three weeks of vacation after five years, is, is that a problem? I would think that uh, most businesses already do that, no? I would be inclined to agree. It's something that we're indeed looking into. But I think when you're looking, especially on the employment standard side of these changes, when you look at things like the personal emergency leave and the vacation, we can't look at them individually. I mean, if if it was only uh, an increase of one week vacation after working for five years, if that was the only policy we were dealing with, uh, it would be a very different reaction than what we're dealing with today, which is uh, a multitude of policies being piled on top of one another. Uh, for example, right? Just but you mentioned emergency leave. This is unpaid emergency leave, right? Uh, ten days un. Well, ten days too paid. That's, two that's two paid days. Two yeah. I mean, you know, honestly, if, if you have uh, an employee that you value and they have an emergency, what are you going to do? Well, and say no. I'm sorry, your loved one is dying, but uh, you can't you you can't take off. Ab- absolutely, that's absolutely not what happens. In fact, it's the exact opposite that happens. We've we have surveyed our, our membership on this, and 85 percent of small businesses say that when it comes to a personal issue, they offer that kind of flexibility. People forget that when we're talking about small businesses, we're talking about, you know, 5, 10, 15 yep. employees. The business owner works beside them day by day. This isn't just an employer-employee relationship. A lot of times it's a, a friend and coworker relationship. So, of course, business owners provide that sort of understanding for their employees. If they didn't, their employees would walk and they'd have no business to, to run. Well, ex- exactly. Uh, I mean, you know, exactly. Because uh, these are people that you spend most of your time with more than with your family. Yeah, and I think we have to remember that these are people. You know, business owners are people too. They, they, they you know, they, they empathize. They understand when you have a personal emergency issue. And what about this this other thing where they say that people who are part time or contract have to get the same wage as uh, full timers? What's your take on that? Well, I think that's going to be a concern too. I think what you're going to find is that a lot of part-time positions dry up. And what that's going to do is eliminate the flexibility in the workplace. I mean, people forget that the people who are working part-time, often it's students or seniors or people who want that part-time flexibility. uh, And they're able to get it in part because they can you know, negotiate a lower wage. They offer you know, fewer hours for less dollars. And when it comes to the business owner, when you put out a part-time position, oftentimes that means there's only part-time work available. So I think what's going to end up happening here as a result is they're just going to take that work and put it on the full-time employees that they have, and you're going to see the stress levels in workplaces increase. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so uh, cumulatively, what do you think the effect is? Uh, is, it, is it going to cut the number of jobs available, make us less competitive? As you know, you were talking about it as a package. Yep, I think we're going to see a a big competition issue for Ontario moving forward, and not just as a result of this, but also the other cost pressures that are coming in. I mean, we're now looking at a uh, $2.60 
minimum wage increase over 18 months, in addition to rising employment insurance costs, rising CPP costs, uh, hydro costs are going to dip and then bounce right back up after four years, cap-and-trade costs are going to go up. Employers are having to take all of this on in a very small time window, and I think what you're going to see is uh, fewer jobs available, fewer jobs are going to be created, less capital investment go- is going to go into business, prices are going to increase. It's going to put a serious amount of pressure uh, on Ontario's employers. Uh-huh. And uh, do you have, a, a, you know, one of, the, one of the organizations, the Ontario Chamber of Commerce, was complaining that there was no economic impact survey. So we are also incredibly concerned about that. Not only was there no consultation at all on minimum wage, they just went ahead and did it. There's no economic impact survey. And from what we're hearing, there's not going to be an economic impact survey. From what we're hearing, they're going to introduce legislation tomorrow, take the summer to talk, but they're going to rely on independent organizations to provide that uh, that data for them. They're not going to go out and conduct it themselves. Okay, well, are you going to get that data together then? Well, we'll absolutely try, but if we've learned anything from the consultation process, we're not necessarily always heard once someone's mind's been made up. Okay, uh, let's take one more call because we have to switch gears soon. We've got Joe in New Hamburg. Hello, Joe. Yeah, how are you doing? Fine, how are you? Good. Yeah, I think it's great that they increase in the minimum wage, uh, you know, but what about the people that are working in non-union that don't have any... Uh, uh, increases, say, for eight or ten years. Why doesn't the government legislate that everybody, no matter who you are, gets at least one or two percent over the previous year's cost of living uh, as, a, as an increase, more or less just to keep your head above water? Well, the, the minimum wage has been going up. Yeah, but that's a minimum wage. I'm talking about everybody else that is uh, not even making minimum wage. Okay, well... What about uh, the people that are making $20 or $25 an hour that are still not are getting behind the eight ball? Okay. Well, uh, maybe they're listening. There's an election coming. You never know. No, that, that's something they should legislate, that everybody, no matter who you are, gets an increase. Okay. Thanks, Joe. Okay, bye. Bye. Okay. Uh, that is all the time we have for this particular segment. Uh, Ryan, what would you like to leave us with? Uh, I think that we are in a time now where we're about to see serious cost impre- cost pressures uh, increase in Ontario businesses. Uh I think Ontario businesses are looking to government and both opposition parties for someone to stand up for small businesses, to recognize that small businesses are not the same as big businesses, and to really fight for small businesses in this province because somebody needs to fight for them. Uh, They are in trouble. Okay, so uh, does that mean uh, (laughs) someone other than the Liberals? (laughs) I think that uh, that the government and the opposition parties all have an opportunity still to stand up uh, for small businesses, uh, and we certainly be the loudest voice out there pushing for them to do so. Okay, Ryan Malo, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.